the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome to another episode of the Four Horsemen. Our typical four are here. Mix master Ben Kerfman, they're hitting the switches, <laughs> remixing this, making it sound wonderful. The good prophet Bishop Dennis Thurman. Disco fever. And the uh, apostle Dr. Bishop Derek McCarson. We're all here, <laughs> ready to go. And today's topic is uh, one that is not a good one to talk about, but it's a good one to kind of evaluate uh, where your church is and... Um, and kind of look at the way you you do things, and and uh, you know Tom Rainer has written several books on uh, this topic. Uh, Autopsy of a Dying Church is probably his most popular on this, and um, he had written an article um, on churchleaders.com, and they gave eight uh, different uh, clear signs um, that many churches are on the precipice of closing, and it says this: if a church has four or more of these signs present. It is likely in deep trouble. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these eight things and, and we're going to discuss kind of what is the root cause of it and uh, what things can be done uh, in each of these. But the first one states this, that there has been a numerical decline for four or more years. And that's that's just talking about worship attendance. And it says the offerings may decline more slowly as the remnant gives more to keep the church going. Uh, but there's no conversions, and the decline is clear and uh, pervasive. So what is the biggest reason for a numeric, numerical decline? We always talk about being against being number-driven, which is, is true. But what is a big reason for a numerical decline over that period of time? Well, if I can hit that one, uh, I think being number-conscious and number-driven is two different things. Okay. Uh, I would not advocate being numbers driven, but in terms of evaluating uh, what's going on spiritually, that's not a sole indicator, but it is an important one because here's what has to happen. You're always going to lose people. Right. No matter what you do, people are going to die. People are going to move. Some, unfortunately, are going to get aggravated and, and leave. But, but for various reasons, people are always going to to leave. So if you're not actively reaching people, then you can't even quote break even. Right. So if the church is growing at all, you have to surpass that. You have to bring in more than are, are going out. And why does that matter? Well, every one of those people are precious souls that Jesus died for. And so if we don't have that conscious thought, uh, to me, that's just a, a simple thing to look at very quickly and so uh, what's happening is you're, you're hemorrhaging. Uh, the lifeblood of evangelism is not flowing, and that's why you begin to, to lose people. There can be a host of reasons. There can be disunity. There can be problems uh, with leadership. Uh, there can be a lot of dysfunction in a family. But to me, uh, if a church is not healthy, then you're going to lose 
people, uh, just like somebody hemorrhaging in a, uh, you know, an ER is is happening. Right, and over that period of time, it says four or more years. Right, because so. you can have ups and downs, like like maybe you have a big layoff, or maybe you're in a military town right. where you're just constantly going to be having turnover. So there's extenuating circumstances, but I think that trajectory is what you're talking about. Uh, that's what you got to be conscious of. Right. You guys want to speak to that at all of causes for that? I think Dennis hit on a major one, and that is that there's just no passion to reach the community, no outreach, um, no evangelism. Of course, along with that, there could be other things. Uh, for instance, it could be a church split. You know, They right. might fall apart because of disunity or some kind of doctrinal issue or you know, maybe it's a denomination and they made a, a controversial decision about some stance and half the church goes one way, half the church goes the other. Um, it could be a reflection of bad leadership, right. just stupid decisions made by uh, pastors that divide people and um, cause things to fall apart. Um, there's a whole host of reasons why uh, church attendance declines. Um but I know one thing, it's not going to get any easier. Right. Uh, we're we're living in what they say a post-Christian society now. So I think doing church and evangelism and so on is only going to get more difficult here in America as time goes on uh, because we're living in a more skeptical society. People are um, driven by relativism, and the Bible is just seen as a dusty book of myths and errors. Right. I think and, one of the things – go ahead. I was going to say, and in some sense, following up on what, what Derek said, it's like your body shedding dead skin cells. Uh, the cultural Christianity that had been so predominant in American life, I think that era is, is over. So you're shedding those those people um, who don't have a commitment you know, to Christ that's genuine. And so then the issue is, are you replacing them with people who are truly born again? Right. Well, I think a lot of that, and you said it initially, Derek, and I think it's a big issue is, is leadership and vision and vision casting. I know there's a lot of talk about that. There's plenty of books written about that. But if, if the people don't have a vision and a clear direction that they're going, you know, they're just going to wander off in the wilderness and, mm-hmm. and, and possibly eventually even die off. I know I've studied um, revitalization and things of that nature. And a lot of these churches that are in this, this boat, there isn't a vision. There isn't, it's just, we're going to come and it's a social club mm-hmm. more than anything. And, and like you said, people die and, and well, you're not doing anything in, in your inner club uh, to grow. And so, um, so I think a clear vision is, is a good way to, to get out of there. And a biblical vision, let's, let's clarify that a little bit. But number two, and this is something that I'm I'm dealing with personally, and uh, it says that the, the number two thing was the church does not look like the community in which it is located. Um, and the community has changed its ethnic, racial, economic makeup, but the church has not and, and the mobilization people have become a more mobile. Ben, you want to speak to that at all? The church doesn't look like the community. Yeah, I mean, I think that's happening a lot, um, especially in like the rural South, as uh, more and more people are, are moving. So, for instance, um, I live in Haywood County, which is like thirty minutes west of Asheville. Well, Asheville is like the cool place to be, but either you can't find a house or you can't afford a house. 
So they moved to Haywood County. Well, inevitably, that's going to change the demographic of my community. So if 10 years from now, uh, the people in my church don't live in the community anymore or uh, they're just completely different. They don't go to the they don't eat at the same places. They don't work at the same places. They don't have any interaction with the local community. The church is going to start dying out. Right. Um, and, and that's a challenge that we have. You know, we're, we're in the city of Waynesville. Um, and yet a lot of our membership drives from out of Waynesville uh, to come to the church. And, and we've talked about that being an issue and that that's something that we need to be praying about as a church. That's surprising for you guys, honestly. I wouldn't have thought that. It, it is. Yeah. Part of that's because of our distinctions as a church. You know, there's there's not a lot of churches like ours to choose from. And so some people just You're drive special. longer. Well, <laughs> yes. You're a special church. Uh, yeah. I know, I know for us personally, our church was – it's in the heart of a community. If you come to our church, I mean, there's houses all around our our, mm-hmm. our church, and that was the community church. I mean, everybody that lived in that community went to that church, and um, but now there's no one in our church that lives in that community, mm-hmm. and um, that's been something that I've had to really wrestle with. Okay, God, how can we make headway into this community that is so completely different? And then than what it once was. And and one of the simple ways that I've tried to encourage our folks, which was surprising, um, our church is off Haywood Road. And to me, Haywood Road is probably one of the best places to eat in Asheville, mm-hmm. a period. And but our folks never would go eat down Haywood Road. And I'm like, well, go to these restaurants and, and talk to people. You know, I used to go to uh, one place in particular, uh, King Daddy's Chicken and Waffles, and I would sit at the bar by myself and talk and i would and i got to know the counter yeah yeah the counter excuse me yeah not the bar excuse me um and i would sit there drinking water by the way and i would have conversations with the waitress and and things of that nature and built they knew i was the pastor at westwood and i told them if they ever need anything come on down but that's the way i believe you've got to be in the community um Mm -hmm. you've got to show the community hey we're here we care about you we love you you know we'd love for you to come attend that's why we've done movie nights and we've we're doing Bible school. We're doing Easter egg hunt. We're doing all these things to just, Hey, we're in the community, you know, and, and to get to know people's that name. That's part of, for me, why I recently switched jobs. So, yep. uh, I work at a Starbucks now that is walking distance from the church. It's on the same road. Oh, and cool. so part of the reason why I did that is now I see hundreds of people every day that actually live in the community. Whereas before I was driving 45 minutes to work, I, I, don't know any of those people. I couldn't invite them to church. I couldn't invite them over for dinner and become friends with them or get to know them or anything. And now I have coworkers and customers that come in and other people that I can build friendships with and get to know them and, um, you know, and share with them, you know, why I'm a Christian or why I feel like that's important or what that even means. And part of that was strategic for me of it's really easy now for when people say, oh, where where do you go to church? I can say it's right there. Like you right. can almost see it from work. You know, it's a lot easier to do that than for me to be 45 minutes away and say, you know, well, if you're ever in Waynesville, mm-hmm. you know, come see us as opposed to saying, like, hey, why don't you just come with me? It's two minutes up the road. Like, so you mean you made a career choice based on the Great Commission? That's a crazy novel idea. Yeah. Well, but but like you said, as far as the solution, how can I ask my people to do that if I'm not doing it? Like you said, if you don't go sit at the restaurant, you can't ask anybody else to go sit at the restaurant. Yeah. yeah you know, and follow up on that one. um I guess the follow-up that goes along with that is uh, your church can have a a good reputation, a bad reputation. The worst thing your church can have 
or can be is completely irrelevant. No like, reputation. Yeah, no reputation at <laughs> all. Ignored. Like people don't even know you exist. Mm-hmm. The at church could die and close the doors, and nobody would know the difference. At yeah. our second movie night, we had a lady said, "I didn't even know this church was open." <laughs> yeah. So that was a win for us. Um, number three, and and I don't want this to sound bad, but number three is the congregation is mostly comprised of senior adults. Um, so anybody want to tackle that one? I can speak to that one because because our, our church demographically has been on both ends. So right. it's it's actually uh, too young right now. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we, we pray for God to send some older, mem- more older members um, because the church is supposed to have both. Right. I mean, it needs to be diverse as far as age goes. I think part of that, it, that's not a knock on senior adults. I think uh, some of that is just like when it comes to that community engagement. Um, when you think of senior adults, most people would say that's probably like 65 and up. Um, there's definitely advantages to them being in the church. For instance, retirees, um, you know, they have a lot of opportunities to serve in the church that younger people don't if they're working all the time. That's one of the big challenges we have is I'd love to have some senior adults that could come in the middle of the day and do things around the church or do things in the community to witness to people. Um, but part of the challenges are are things like uh, you run into more health issues, um, it's just a different uh, demographic. So, for instance, if that demographic's changing and you've got 20-year-olds moving into the communities, your 65, 70, 80-year-olds probably aren't going to interact with them that much. Right. You know, they're going to shop at Ingles and the 20-year-olds are going to shop at Publix or Earth Fair or somewhere like that. You know what I mean? They're going to go to – they're the young people are going to go to Haywood Road. The older people are going to go to, like, the diner. J&S. You know, yeah, exactly. You know? Hill, and, and, and there's nothing honestly. wrong with that, but that's just Otherwise that's known just as Heaven's Waiting Room. Yeah. The shaky spoon, as my wife affectionately <laughs> referred to it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, but, that's mean, Caitlin. But I don't – yeah, I don't think that's a, that's a knock on senior adults. You know, if, if you – if your church is predominantly senior adults – you're going to have a hard time reaching younger people. Yeah. If it's primarily primarily younger people, you're going to have a hard time doing ministry in the church. Well, I'll say this with our, our folks. Um, we have a playground and uh, was having a discussion the other day. When I first got there, the playground hadn't been used in years. I mean, there was mildew, mold all over it. Hadn't been used in years. And at the time, there was only one other young couple and one little girl and then my girls. So there's three kids total. And I found out that they wanted to tear down the playground. Now, this talks about vision. They wanted to tear down the playground and put uh, senior adult parking there. Mm. So they had no vision for children. You know, thank God that we've begun to, to progress. And um, so... We're getting there. Well, let, let me let me hit Go that real it. quick. As Go one who regularly receives promotions from Gross Funeral Home, <laughs> I, I think I can. I think I can Seminar- speak to cemetery plot discount. Here, here, here's here's the morbid reality. Nothing wrong with senior adults, but we all have a shelf life, and so there's going to come a time that we're going to go to heaven. Well, who's going to occupy those pews? Who's going to teach those classes? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be in the choir loft? Somebody has to be groomed to replace us. And so thank God for senior adults. They can provide great stability. Yes. uh, But they sometimes are low on energy. Uh, And so uh, health issues and other things like that. So you've got to have that vitality that comes along with with youth. And so so they've got we've got to regenerate, repopulate the uh, with the younger demographic has to. Right. Yep. Number four kind of is an indicator of what we've just talked about. 
but it says the focus is on the past and not the future. And that most conversations are about the good old days. So didn't you want to speak to that? Yeah, because I hear that baloney all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can't knock on Dennis because he is a senior. <laughs> well, 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 number one. If you begin to investigate, the good old days were not as good as right. what people in their nostalgia in the fog. The good old days when we had separate water fountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but there, but there were some things I think that certainly were good, and it's fine to you know reflect on those. Those again give us a connection. I think a good foundation. But what are you building on that foundation? That's that's the critical thing. And and if you're living in the past, well, guess what? We don't have a time machine. You, you, there's no rewind button. You can't actually do that. You've got to deal with the realities as they are now. So you think about what is to come in the, in the future. And, and so it's a constant struggle to respect the heritage, to get across to people. If, if we have to change methodology, we're not changing our message. We're not altering that. It's, it's timeless. It applied in the 1950s, and it still applies today. But how we may package and present that uh, may be uh, entirely different. And so, you know, getting folks to buy into that is is a great uh, challenge. Well, and something about that that I've learned is that people who talk about the good old days, and they they you know they want the good old days. What I've learned is is they're usually relying on another person or a particular program instead of their disciple-making abilities in order for transformation to occur. That's what I've learned. You know, well, we used to do, well, this preacher used to preach this way, or this program was good, or this bus ministry was this, or oh, what did you do then? Mm-hmm. The same as they're doing now, which is probably nothing. Right. I mean, I'm just being honest. Too many times. And so I think it's too much of a reliance on someone else. You know, um, as opposed to, I think to too, um, some of that so. can just become an idolatry problem yeah. where basically you're, you're idolizing a, a memory of, uh, specifically fellowship. A lot of it seems, you know, r- remember when I came to church and I knew everybody and we were all friends and we ate together and, uh, we were in the same class together and, and there's this memory that they have, uh, especially as they get older and some of those people pass on, you know, it, it's it's looking back to remember when we were young and we had energy and we served together and we did those things. And there's nothing wrong with with that. You know, what I mean, as far as being thankful for what you've had. But um, like Dennis was saying, you know, at some point you, you have to accept the fact of like, uh, listen, it, it, if the best that the church is going to get was when you were young. You, you're not you're you're losing sight of the purpose of the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the best is going to be the New Jerusalem when we all will be together right. again, and the fellowship there's going to be sweeter than anything you've had here on Earth. Right. And so, so to not look to the future, to not look to the younger generation, to not look outside to lost people is basically saying, "I'm fine with being in glory with me and my buddies, but we, it's us for no more." Is essentially, I think a lot of them don't mean that, but that's the consequences of their actions, which is why it does kill a church. Yep. I think about Warren Wiersbe. He had a great quote. He said, the past can either be an anchor to hold us back or it can be a rudder to guide us forward. That's good. And um, too many times that's what it becomes, the anchor. anchor. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, it usually boils down to a few things that 
people don't want to change y'all. Number one is worship style. Music is always a big On one. that note, and I'll let you and speak to it, number triggered. five is the members are intensely preference-driven. Go ahead, go. Derek. What a segue. How about that? <laughs> Southern gospel isn't a preference, brother. That's what they sing in heaven. <laughs> the King Shake James notes. Bible is the Bible that God reads in heaven is what one guy told me. Yeah, so. that's right. What did, what did he say? The King James Bible is the Bible that God reads in heaven. Amen. Yeah, the original Greek's the abomination. <laughs> Fell from heaven, 1611. Listen, I saw a video right here in Asheville, a preacher saying stuff like Amen. that. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You want to speak to that, the preference deal? Yeah, well, it just goes back to what Ben was talking about. It becomes a form of idolatry yeah. um, where it's all about me. This is um, no longer a hospital for sinners. It's a museum for saints, and it's our country club, and we make the rules, and we like the way things are, and we are inward-focused. As long as we are uh, making ourselves happy, then that's all that matters because we're the ones doing the giving anyway, right? Hmm. So um, preference-driven is a is a big indicator that you have a stagnant church, that you have a church that um, is stuck in their ways. And to dislodge that and to change that, you're going to be in for a real battle. Yep. And you have to institute that change very slowly, incrementally, and pick your battles. But most of the time, like I was saying, it it comes down to, in my experience, worship style is a big one, especially when you have old versus new. We talked about the balance. You know, your older folks are going to want the traditional hymns. Younger folks are going to generally want more upbeat, praise and worship, contemporary stuff. So... You have to make a decision. Are you going to be, you know, um, one way or the other, or are you going to try and strike a balance? Yeah. And then um, another way that uh, that we, we should have a segment on the music that we should do that. In the future. And, and then another. Hey ben, will you do that one? Absolutely. One day? Okay. Thanks. Another thing that's uh, that that comes down to preference driven or or an obsession with the past is buildings and properties we're gonna get mm. there which you mentioned with the playground we're or don't mess there. with god's stuff the set, the, uh, how the sanctuary looks or or you know how are we presenting the the the, the church into the community which younger people do too uh, you yes. know, a lot of times the old people get hate with that, but young people are the same way. Yeah. We'll, we'll skip All it. You need but we like that, we like that life, decaying man. mold smell. It's, well, it's, a, <laughs> it's I, a very churchy aroma. And I'll jump ahead to that it one. But like let revival. Me, let me yes. back up to this preference-driven thing. The one thing that I've tried to push back on people uh, when they've talked about stuff, I said, you know, when it comes to, to music in church in particular, what is your principle for the music? Like, what is the Ready principle? to live. And if if your principle if your principle starts with I like this then I don't want to hear it. Like if does it glorify God? Does it you know I like should come at the very end. And there's nothing wrong with preferences as long as they don't become we, we all have them absolutely mm-hmm. and they're okay. You know, but you know I've had some people won't serve because well we don't do it my way or I'm not going to sing because it's not my kind of music and if it's my kind of music then I'll sing and I'm like holy bump so let's yeah, the only thing that matters is God's preference that at the heart of sin is that big letter I oh that'll preach so let's Ooh, skip yeah. let's yeah, skip a, let's skip ahead to the number 7 which Derek uh, he's doing really good at segues tonight. Is uh, there are That's why they pay me the big bucks? Yeah, there got are, more segues than Myrtle Beach. <laughs> there are sacred cow facilities. Mm-hmm. So uh, it might be a parlor or a pulpit. 
It could be pews instead of chairs. And I mean, the list goes on and on. How about the organ? Well, I've had that's to a big one because that was brought oh, up. Oh, he went and in said some it. Of our revitalization. He was, I, was I dropped the O word. Hammond. He went and said it. That, that we we might take Do the organ. Do you guys out. use the organ? We didn't, but now for some <laughs> strange reason, it's being used. Resurrected. <laughs> yeah. The only organ I need is a heart of flesh. Bless God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's there's a sacred cow. Yeah, it's funny, and I mentioned this in one of the other discussions. I didn't even bring it up. Somebody else brought up. We don't have. We don't play the organ. We have an organ up there, but no one's played it in years. And um, there's a plaque right behind it of people who donated to give that organ. Oh, Dennis is a yes. huge fan of that. Apparently, no kidding. Um, but what was funny is. Is I was I somebody brought it up about selling it for I don't even remember selling it for what for money, and um, one guy said we're not selling that organ, and where I said well who plays it I don't care nobody does but we ain't selling it it's gonna <laughs> sit right there well, what good is it but we have we have a, what I call funeral home uh, furniture everywhere and that we're trying to de funeral home our church. And, well, that's uh, where organs. That's about the only place that they're played in our society is yeah. at the funeral home. Do people? And that's a that's a actual question that after the fact we talked to parking lot discussion. I said, do people? And I don't know this. So if you play the organ, please phone. We're not phone in, but please comment if you know somebody who actually plays the organ. That is, we'll give you Adam's number at the end of the broadcast. <laughs> We're looking for a organ. No, Derek does now um, since they've reinstituted the organ. But um, but Sager Cal facilities, and that was a big issue at our church is that the building was worshipped. And I'm just being honest. Um, they stopped the bus ministry because the kids were being messy and, and they were dirty. And, and the, you know, that drove me up the wall. And There's some parables about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Sacred Cow facilities. Let me go to number six. We got two more. Number six, the budget is severely inwardly focused. The budget is severely inwardly focused. What does that mean? It says most of the funds are expended to keep the lights on and or to meet the preferences of the members. There's no money going out for ministry or missions. So yeah, yes, so, so the budget will increasingly be dominated by two areas, properties and personnel. Mm -hmm. They will make sure, you know, that the lights are turned on, that the building is preserved, the doors are open, and that we've got a pastor, somebody here to be our chaplain, to you know, comfort us when we're sick, to visit us uh, when we have surgery, to help us in the time of funeral. And so the, whatever it takes to keep those things there, if you have to begin to cut into the missions budget and the other things, the youth, the children, all that begins to shrink because we, we've got to have these things to take care of us. Yep. What's the mission, right? Right. What's the mission? The mission, the mission is, is to, to have a chapel and have a chaplain in place to take care of things. <laughs> yep. So that that's something I'm I'm want to praise our church about is that we've we've been able to partner with um with my mom's help we've been able to partner with about seven different organizations, um, Mountain Area Pregnancy Support, ABCCM, Veterans on Eagles Wings, these different organizations to try to partner with them as well as associational giving and things of that nature. And it's been great to see, I'm not saying that's the reason we're doing it, but our giving has gone up since we have gone mm -hmm. outward. And, Resources um, flow towards action. 
Andy Stanley, I think, said that. Good job, Ben. Oh, I think I got it. I think I got it from Craig Rochelle. He probably stole it from Andy. That's really good, actually. But he probably thought about the Bible when he came up with it. But um, it was an Old Testament reference, actually. Yeah. Well, Andy wouldn't have done that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so number eight, uh, this is one I'm sure we could all speak to, and this is the final one, that any type of cuss word in church change <sighs> is met with fierce Resistance, And I think it's interesting that that's the last one, um, because when you touch any of the things above it, <laughs> it's uh, change. It's change, yeah. and it's met with fierce resistance. Anybody want to speak to that? <laughs> I hope you have a church. <laughs> well, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the default setting, because, again, it gets into the matter of, of selfishness and um, inconvenience, comfort. So you go to the doctor for your physical, and the doctor says you've got to quit eating all of this fat. You've got to start getting some exercise. You've got to change your lifestyle, or you're not going to live. So do you know what most people do? They decide we're going to die because mm-hmm. they'd rather die than change. Right. And it's no different than church. You, you take uh, the great physician's prescription that's been given to us for a, a vital congregation, and you look in the Word of God and say, here's what we need to do, and here's what needs to be altered. And they may shake their head, you know, and they walk out the door and go to the cafeteria and say, we ain't doing that, okay? And because it, it just uh, gets them out of their comfort zone. It yeah. takes mm-hmm. them somewhere where it's going to be involving them. When we talk about changing the church, remember who the church is. Even though we've talked about buildings and budgets and all that kind of thing, but it's, it's the people. Yeah. And so if I, as a pastor, am not willing to pay the price and change myself, if the congregation, if the deacons, the teachers, whomever, if they're not willing to buy into that and alter their own life and become disciplined as disciples, then you can forget it. It's not happening. Right. Well, any change, any significant change, this biblical change gets it off me. You know, so the money's not about me. It's not my preferences, um, so forth and so on. And so that's why. Like I, I love to eat Bojangles. I love to eat Chick-fil-A sandwiches now with buffalo sauce. Now that you guys, I love to eat Amen. pizza. Well, I, love to eat glory. I love to eat all these things. But like you said, you know, <laughs> when the doctor tells me I've got to take blood pressure medicine, probably doesn't need to do but, that. But Adam, well, regardless of what we think about change, there will be change, but it's going to be in what direction? Right. Yeah. Or death. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so I hope that um, these eight um Topics. I hope that you will um, listen to them, maybe even write them down and, and really look. If you're a church member, uh, really kind of evaluate, you know, where's my church stand with this? If you're a church leader, do the same thing. Really do a good evaluation. I know I've, I'm going to sit down with our our leadership and, and look through this and see what areas that we can improve on and how we can go about it and maybe even set a vision. So hopefully those things will help. Hopefully your church is not dead. Um, and um Anyway, we hope you have a great one and uh, see you next time. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than bash the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say they grab. This is greener. Seen the forecast, man. They call him for Katrina.